Hello everyone from Bucharest. Welcome to the Recursive Podcast again, where we dive deep into the minds of entrepreneurs, innovators, and uh, tech leaders in Southeast Europe. Our guest today says that he's been an entrepreneur even before he understood the word entrepreneur. Bogdan Nicoara loves starting new projects and uh, finding solutions to all sorts of problems. He's currently the co-founder of Bright Spaces, an end-to-end digital leasing platform for commercial real estate. Based in Romania, he is now on the path of becoming a global tech disruptor in real estate services. Welcome, Bogdan. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for coming. And um, I'm really excited because we've been planning this podcast for a while now. And finally, we happen to be in the same city again. Already when I met you, I was very... um, I felt very connected to your mindset because you're, uh, I would call you like a Da Vinci type of person. You have a lot of interests. You started so many different projects. You've been part of uh, different companies. And uh, I was actually wondering how is it for you now when you have to focus just on one project? Definitely better. <laughs> But I think um, I needed to do all the things that I did in order to understand why it is better to focus on one thing. So So the experience that you had so far is making you now a better startup entrepreneur? Would you say that? I think so. I think experience generally helps. Um, In my case specifically, I always wanted to start things. I got bored pretty fast. Um, Probably because I didn't have a clear objective on why I'm, I'm doing that and how it should develop and even possibly end at some point. And right now, I think we started, me and Andre, my partner, we started from the end goal with, with Bright Spaces. And it's much more clearer for us and the entire team why we are doing this, why we want to, as you said, um, disrupt or bring at least a, a new layer of technology for commercial real estate globally. Um, and we have different scenarios on how, how to get there, but we are focused on, on what we are doing right now. So if you have to describe the end goal, how does it look like? Do you have like a vision in your mind where you celebrate, you know, reaching this final goal? Yeah, I, th- I think right now, because of how the um, startup market is, um, is shifting towards, um, let's say, um, um, buyer market and not a seller market if we consider the VC as the seller and the startups as the buyer. Because right now I think there's a lot of money on the market and um, not that many startups that can uh, prove. So it's it's interesting to, to see how you as a startup right now can grow faster than before mm-hmm. because you have the resources, you can reach those resources uh, faster definitely you need to do a good job with the company, but you can think right from the beginning and on, on things like um, exits or IPO or mm. different kind of M&A uh, strategies that will uh, leave this company in a place. Um, um, I always like to say that you need to, to build something which will last um, more than um, where you can take it to. So that's okay. what, what I would like for Bright Spaces to, to be something that will continue, uh, will continue to grow even when I will not 
be there. Mm. So we started with the end goal. Now let's go back a bit in time. I want to start even before that. Uh, what I find very interesting is that you said that uh, you were an entrepreneur already, I think, in your uh, school time. What was the what was the business? What was the venture? What did you do? Yeah, it's a big word to say that I was an entrepreneur <laughs> in, in high school. Um, the truth is that I liked getting involved into projects, uh, creative projects, right from, I don't know, kindergarten, first, second grade. I never liked the part where you need to learn very strict um, things in school, but I loved the creative projects. So whenever I had the chance, I got involved into projects at school, but also outside of uh, school. For example, um, the first thing that I did to make my own money was together with my uh, my friends back then. I think we were 16, 15, 16, 17, something like that. <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly. We were in love with the hip hop culture and we were drawing graffiti, obviously illegal because that's how it is. And we thought about, okay, but how can we still do this and make some money out of it? So we we drew graffiti for money legally without <laughs> running from uh, um, police um, um, for we had some clients like a who was your first customer i think it was a, a very very small like four by four meters uh, 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 game uh, game room back then we had the okay. uh, counter strike uh, oh uh, yeah i remember these times <laughs> corner shops <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and what we did was to draw the outside and the inside the problem was that we we didn't know that uh, uh, we needed to take everyone outside when we draw inside and mm. uh, it was a mess <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> So it's still in a way kind of, you know, like a real estate business even back then. <laughs> I, I never thought about it like this. <laughs> Somehow, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, so you make some money and then you got the taste of how, what is it actually to, to earn your own money. And then you continued your path. Um, I know that before Bright Spaces, uh, you had your own agency and you had also your software development company, which... I would assume more, more like service companies. Sure. How was it actually for you to, you know, jump from a service business to a product business? Because for a lot of companies, especially if they're, you know, corporates, it is a huge leap and it's a totally new mindset that you need to develop. For us, it was um, something long overdue. So it was easy. We wanted to do this for I think seven years while running the um, agency. We we actually tried with some projects and we failed because we were defocused. We were trying three different things or four different things mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, and I think what happened with Bright Spaces was that um, after winning a, a competition, the PropTech, uh, the first PropTech hackathon organized in Bucharest, we just said, okay, let's let's do it in another way if if everything like failed in some somehow failed until now while trying to do multiple things at, at once let's just focus on this for the next i don't know five seven ten years and it was a um very very fast decision it was a, like the same day when 
Okay. The same day I, I, I discussed with, with Andre. He said he he's he will he wants to start this with me and um that that was it. We decided to sell the portfolio of the agency and the software development company um, and to keep a very small part of the team that we believe will help us in uh, creating the prototype for Brightspaces. We started pitching for um, the pre-seed round and that's it. We, that happened in April 2019 and in September we incorporated Brightspaces in October we uh, closed the round and that's how it started. So fast. Yeah, it the, mm -hmm. it, it was like I think the round uh, took us from I think May to to October. So it was mm -hmm. pretty fast. How did you decide to go full speed in in prop tech and, and in real estate? I mean, did you have some previous experience in the real estate because this is a very, you know, specific industry and it's still i would say kind of uh, rigid and maybe a bit old-fashioned and uh, you do need to understand the mindset of real estate companies to do a business like yours isn't it you do but mm -hmm. we had no idea what we were getting into <laughs> at that time actually uh, a good friend and mentor uh, ciprian pashka from PropTech romania he was telling me for two years uh, that we need to address the real estate uh, industry with our um, tech because we even in the agency we were using some different tech solutions that we we created um, more creative more uh, innovative uh, because as i told you we, we were pretty uh, good at starting things, <laughs> not so much as uh, continuing and, and uh, finalizing uh, uh, the business side. Um, so um, it, it, it took us, it took me two years to understand that real estate is actually a market that is worth the trouble. But when we started, we had absolutely no experience. I, I think I, not, not zero because we created some websites for some real estate developers but that was it okay so we didn't know how things were working one of the reasons why we wanted in our pre-seed round to have people with very good uh, real estate knowledge mm. in our cap table so we have ilinka paun uh, you she's been yeah, yeah you, you or had your her, guest it uh, was an yeah. amazing conversation yeah true she's a wonderful person we have adriana rimescu from uh, ex founder uh, founder and ex ceo at immobiliare.ro the biggest uh, marketplace for uh, residential real estate um, cristiane gruzio from sparking also uh, had some uh, involvement in the logistics and industrial space so we we actually uh, try to get as much help as we could because we only had the tech and let's say business optimization know-how but not the real estate one hmm. which is also uh, i find very interesting because uh, you know when you build a product at least is what tech people say you have to be really you know um ready to listen to feedback from your environment in your case also from your experts from the market um Coachability is, um, you know, a thing that the investors pretty much value in, in especially in young founders. Um, for you, it was the first maybe 
product business that you were involved in, like full time? Full time, yeah. Yeah, well, full time. Yes. We tried some other projects, but never full time. Yes. Was it difficult to listen to this feedback that you're getting from your advisors and and um, investors in the beginning? Um, yes. Coming from a service business means that generally you don't um, act as a startup at all. So you don't have investors, you don't have advisors, coaches, mentors. You own, you're by yourself in a very uh, competitive landscape, especially in, in software development and digital marketing. And you're doing everything that you can in order to succeed by your own and yeah. with, with your team, but it's like a, you're, you're creating your own bubble and um, you don't have enough knowledge to grow. That's why if you look at the entire uh, space, you will see that only a few companies actually manage to grow. The other ones are either bought, so integrated into the big companies, or they actually uh, disappear by time because it's very difficult. It's competitive. Uh, the competition is fierce. It's uh, not at all co collaborative. So it was hard for me to, to move from that mindset to a mindset where you have a board, uh, you need advisors, um, you need to listen to your clients differently because in the agency you had very clear briefs or uh, not so clear, but it was uh, um, whatever the client wanted, you needed to, to create. And in the product business, you need to create something that will be good for the market today, but also in five years. And you need to be very... Um, mm, you need to filter very well the information because because if you um, you need to mix your knowledge and instinct with the potential clients because if you only listen to the potential client they might ask for things that uh, make sense right now or yesterday but not tomorrow so you need to to kind of filter the, the information in order to to uh, create the right product mm -hmm. so it was hard I think it's now. It, easier because we are doing this uh, a lot. We have uh, a lot of advisors, mentors, and we actually participating uh, in an acceleration program at PyLabs helped us even more because we had two weeks of uh, uh, the, the mentor weeks. So we had days with 12 or 13 meetings with mentors a day. Wow. So we needed, <laughs> we needed to, to, to really listen and to get feedback fast and to iterate fast. Because if you get a very bad feedback from five mentors today, you need to change something until tomorrow. Because I, either uh, well, if you don't, tomorrow you'll get the same feedback. Do you have some kind of practical tip on how do you integrate so many voices in your head? I mean, if you listen to five mentors a day and they probably have like different opinions on which direction you should go. In the end of the day, you will be still the captain of your ship and you will be responsible for all the decisions that you're making. So what do you do on a after a day like this? How do you go home and say, okay, maybe I'm just going to now switch everything <laughs> to 180 sure. degrees? I'm not mm -hmm. sure if we uh, if we nailed the, the process, but what me and Andre um, uh, did was to, after each day, we, so we had a table with all of the mentors and we had, I think, seven... Um, 
types of uh, feedback or mm -hmm. yeah yeah or uh, criteria and we um, um, actually um, allocated um, um, grades for mm. each of them and that at the end when we had I think 80 meetings it, it was pretty relevant so when a lot of them told us uh, the 3d part looks bad <laughs> Okay. You need to make it look better. It was clear that we needed to make it look better. It was not, it was something <laughs> pretty objective. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it is hard, especially in the beginning when you, as a founder yourself, know that uh, some things are still not working perfectly, especially for tech people. I know that uh, you kind of, you know, tend to want to have everything perfect before you show it to the world. And then you gather all this feedback and this is not good enough and this is not good enough. And you actually know that. <laughs> so wow. it's a yeah. heart, you know, on the ego. I, 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 I actually remember a, a specific day in, in the acceleration program. Uh, after we finished the mentor weeks, we sent the demo. We had a demo, prototype demo uh, to also to other people. Mm -hmm. And we got... Part of the feedback was, yeah, great, nice. And we had some very tough ones. Mm. And reading that, so it was in writing, and reading that, it, uh, it was very, very hard. <laughs> I was like, no, they're not, they're, they're not right. <laughs> but they were. Oh, they okay. were right. Mm -hmm. And it's quite tough to accept that you need to work. Because the problem was not that we got the feedback. Is that we were we were working 16 hours a day back then it's like like a lot so we were me and andre were in london for three weeks then two weeks we were quarantined here in romania and still uh, uh, working um, this mad uh, uh, schedule each day and our colleagues were working from home uh, on the prototype so we were work working on the business and they were working on the prototype and it was it was so hard to get this feedback knowing that you need to work even harder in mm. order to to get to where you wanted to get uh, i can totally relate to that it's uh, happening you know um also with us <laughs> quite often especially when you're a public project like media uh, you get feedback all the time even if you don't want it and uh, it's a business which is not so specific so anyone can you know uh, everyone believes that they can do media because <laughs> it looks that easy okay so let's go back to real estate um so coming from tech and from marketing and jumping into real estate, um, what was your, can you describe your first encounter with um, real estate customers? I think your first customer was uh, Skanska, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, did you experience a huge, you know, like a, like a culture shock? Mm, definitely, but not with them. Not with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> this think, is why probably they became your first yeah, customer. Yeah. Okay. The the relationship we had and still have with Skanska is pretty special because it started in a different way. We participated in their internal PropTech hackathon in November 2019. And what that meant was that our team, we, we chose a challenge. And the challenge was digitizing the, the leasing process. And we had 48 hours nonstop working with them with their team, marketing, leasing, 
project management. Um, so we had access in those 48 hours to the entire Scanscat team in Romania, but also a lot of content and information in order to create the prototype of the solution. That's what a hackathon means to, to actually have something that works in 48 hours. And it's very hard to replicate this with other clients because it, it you know, working at uh, 10 p.m. in the evening with, with someone uh, creates a, a pretty strong uh, connection. Uh, and they actually saw how we worked and that we were so dedicated to understanding the leasing process. We had no idea how that worked in office. We, we were asking the most stupid questions like, okay, but uh, how does a tenant find you? And mm. so on. Um, and because of that uh, start, we now have a very, very good, good relationship. And they're the first we go to, to test new features and to um, understand the changes in this very, very uncertain market right now. So they were also your early adopters, to put it this way. Yeah, innovators. Yeah. Innovators, like, like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. How important was uh, at this point, you know, to <clears throat> have a customer like that who already, you know, to um, co-create with you, to work on the selection solution with you, to uh, be your early adopter? I would say is, uh, this is... Um, one of the most valuable things that you can get. And if you can get that, not just from one client, mm -hmm. but from many, and we had that also with One United, with Vox, with Impact Hub, they all, help, they all helped us in, in the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, even our first uh, client in, in the UK, we created the product, um, so or parts of the product based on the, the, the specific market knowledge that they could provide us with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, it's pretty important. You generally don't have that as a startup. You need to create it. And there are a lot of books teaching you on how to do that, like disciplined entrepreneurship, uh, well, lean startup and so on. But I think you need also to be lucky. Mm -hmm. And uh, by luck, I don't mean just waiting for things to happen, but um, try a lot of um, things and opportunities like go to competitions, hackathons, uh, engage with potential customers where they already are, like in, during events, um, um, offering, uh, I don't know, uh, this knowledge exchange in, mm -hmm. in a very creative way so that they don't perceive you as a seller at that moment, because that's when things break. Okay. in the communication. If you're very early, you don't have the right product, but you're trying to sell it, you will get a lot of no's. So instead of trying to selling it in the beginning, I think you're, you're, you would be way better trying to understand why it doesn't fit or why some parts of it could fit mm -hmm. with that client. And if you do that uh, many times in a very short period of time, you will have a working um, minimum viable product, maybe one, two clients that will buy that in order to test it, learn more from them, then uh, refine it, and then have a, the first version of the product, then get some more clients and so on. It's, not an, it's definitely not, not an easy job. It's something that you need to do daily, mm -hmm. but it's very important to find the right people that 
are able and uh, want to share. And these kind of people you can look at, uh, you can find them because they're very curious. They're very, um, even if they're not tech oriented, they're oriented towards the new way of doing stuff. And we found that in different persons in uh, the um, teams of our clients. It's actually more about, you know, the the people who are working in, yep. let's say, corporations or enterprise organizations uh, who are, you know, into the disruptive business models and, and innovation, um, who would actually, you know, support you and make sure that the project is somehow being pushed through the organization. I think it's all about, you know, the, the, the specific person. I think they call, call them that, champions, right? Yeah, we call that champions, champ yeah, yeah. The, the champion inside, yeah. Do you see more and more champions uh, in the real estate market now? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, some of them come from uh, their own personality. Mm. Like it's for them, it's like, oh my God, it's the first time when we can actually change something in a very traditional industry. And this is the time to, to try new stuff, new solutions and to implement them. And others have a more um, a pride um, uh, approach where they want to be seen inside the organization as the ones that implemented certain products. Mm -hmm. For you as a startup, it's obviously better to have the first type uh, of person because they're more um, uh, authentic and transparent. But the second one is good also because you need to, to uh, we, we say, uh, get the puppy inside the house. Uh, so just try to get into a big corporation with a small feature, prove that it's working, then have another one. And in one year, two years, you will have the puppy uh, um, grow to a, to a big dog, but it will still be inside the house and everyone will love it. Yes. <clears throat> but him. you still continue having, you know, the special relationship to your first uh, early adopters. Let's put them yeah. like that. We, okay. we do have uh, this relationship which is sort of institutionalized like we have very uh, clear recurrent meetings mm. um, product meetings just um, one-to-ones depending on the on the roles but we uh, listen a lot to them so we okay. don't want to just be perceived as a customer-centric uh, organization we want to live like this we want to grow as uh, with with the customer with the client uh, uh, in mind okay so you have it also in a very structured way so like yeah. regular meetings and wow okay <clears throat> we we want to create something that uh, we're still thinking about how to do it uh, because of <laughs> the because the real estate is very competitive we want to create a, a customer or a client uh, advisory council mm -hmm where we want to meet with m more than one at the same time okay. in a round table and discuss potential new features and challenges in their processes. But we need to think about how to do this because it's, uh, as I said, a very competitive landscape for them. And uh, we need to have them at the same table. Mm. Now, it's definitely a topic that is worth tapping into. I'm actually now thinking that maybe we should also do something with the recursive because I do know companies which have successfully implemented an advisory board and um, it is in a way also community building around you, a very special community building uh, type of thing. So um, yeah, thanks for bringing it up. Um, 
it's definitely worth exploring, but they see that you're already on the right path. If we manage to do it, I will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> right now, it's just an idea. And did also, um, how did it come to the to the second investment, to the seed investment? Did you, did you get some tips from your advisors? And uh, could you also use the, you know, the advisory board for... Um, also for raising money or is it only about you know making yeah. the product better yeah yeah it, uh, i think you should have advisor for different thing, things and you should um listen to the right people for the right uh um, advices mm -hmm. it's quite bad to listen to someone who doesn't know uh much about investment and to try to use that advice in an investment process or listen to an investor, um, a purely financial investor, when it comes to the product. You need to be very <laughs> clear about that. But um, for us, we um, got a lot of help in the funding process. Um, and what I believe we, we did okay was to have a strategy on the round. Actually, for both rounds, we had this. We knew... Let's say at a macro level, how we wanted the round to look like. Like, of course, how much money we want to raise and for what. Um, the potential valuation and the walkaway point, if we don't uh, get that. Um, what kind of um, knowledge, because you want smart money. So what, what's the mix of knowledge that you, you want to have? Uh, if you want angels or just VCs, and we wanted angels a lot because we had a very good experience from the pre-seed round with angels, and we really wanted, we um, put a lot of effort into the second round to have a, uh, an interesting 11 uh, people mm. uh, <laughs> uh, as angel investors in a, in a seed round, you know, yes. so... And now you have a mix of angel money and VC money, right? We have uh, individual okay. angels, we have uh, angel groups, we have um, Romanian VC, France and, and UK VC in our wow. cap table. Okay, so <clears throat> tell me about the relationships that you are actually building with this, you know, different groups of, of people, because I can only imagine that, you know, you talk differently to a VC than if you have to compare it to an angel. Yeah. What did you um, learn so far about it? That um, it's hard and that I need more time for <laughs> this part. Um, people can help you a lot if you ask them. Mm. Angels and VCs can help you way more than you imagine. If, if you just um, put in the time and the right questions. Unfortunately, because we're so uh, fast-paced, we sometimes don't have that time and I, I realize only after that maybe if I I would ask <laughs> I would have asked someone <laughs> you could have saved yeah, like five hours saved, yeah. of your <laughs> yeah or maybe day. even days or, yeah, or, or weeks days but weeks, we have yeah. a very good relationship <laughs> with all of them I'm not saying that uh, so nothing is absolutely perfect so you have uh, different opinions and discussions but I think this is the way it should be the idea is that um, in the end, you should have the same objective. And investors, if they truly believe in, in a startup and in the founders, they, sh they should support the, the founders and their vision. And that's how we, we have this relationship set up right mm -hmm. now, which is 
very good. They're help, helping us with sales, with strategy, with um, um, getting talent. With um, Now we are working on establishing a new way of organizing the company, more flat self-management, um, um, decentralized okay. autonomous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we are discussing with all of them to, to see how we can make this happen because it's pretty difficult in, yes. in a market where everyone is used to the uh, pyramid shape <laughs> of uh, the decision-making process. Yes. Um, I can also guess that you're hiring people who already have experience in real estate, who have been part of more probably uh, yeah, hierarchical organizations. We are now starting to get okay. people from, from the real estate, um, but the, the, the initial team was, uh, was not from real estate. No, okay. No. <laughs> Jumping, you know, bravely into the unknown. Oh, I really yeah. respect that. Cool. Um, so when we speak about building a more autonomous type of organization, um, decentralized, um, where you are supposed to promote ownership within the company and uh, manage actually like little leaders yeah. <laughs> in your organization. What would be your take on that? How do you do that? I, I personally find it sometimes very difficult. Um, I'm going to share, you know, maybe a bit of our, from, from our kitchen that uh, the people that we hired, especially now in the beginning, uh, when we started the recursive, they were all showing, you know, qualities of, uh, leaders and they wanted to own their own, um, you know, project and uh, work with different ideas and they would come again and again with, oh, we can do that and we can do that and we can do that. And for me personally, it was sometimes very hard, you know, to keep um, it all together, uh, not to kill the vibe, you know, not to make them too um, much thinking as employees. How do you balance that? Uh, we are trying to uh, implement a framework. Okay. And we are looking at, um, we are all studying a book right now. Um, it may sound uh, silly, but that's how we, we are doing it. It's called Reinventing Organization by Frederick Laloux. Um, and he studied a lot of self-managed organizations and he just got the ideas and... Uh, created like a framework, not a fixed one, but a, a very good uh, initial framework to, to start with in, in creating your own decent, more decentralized autonomous organization. And it is difficult because you cannot do everything from the beginning. Uh, people might be uh, afraid that things will break if you just make everything fully transparent, fully autonomous right from the beginning. You need to have different steps for this. Okay. We, um, we are asking other companies that uh, did that. I had a discussion with, with uh, uh, Dan Stefan from uh, Autonom. Mm -hmm. They're a very well-known company in Romania implementing this kind of um, processes. Now we have a colleague uh, in, uh, in Austria, uh, a Pilabs alumni co colleague, um, they're also working with the holacracy model. Mm -hmm. Very nice. And they're doing a great job. So I, I would say that you need to 
uh, test a lot. You need to learn and mm-hmm. you need to, to see what works for your organization. For, for us, we are just starting to do this. We do have some basic principles that help us because we tried right from the beginning to give people the, their voice so they can say uh, whatever they want. Um, they can um, engage into new ideas. They just need to get cert- certain approvals like from their peers and, and, and they can do it. And this is so nice to see that some ideas happen without the founders being involved in all of those and uh, they like they create some very cool projects um, in different like for pr and marketing uh, for uh, in the in the product area even in the sales and it's nice to see that um, everyone is feeling responsible for the the getting the company to the next level how do you keep them focused on the same vision, on the same goal? Because in a way you're sharing, um, you know, one big common project. Everyone can step in with an idea of how to improve that. But sometimes there are also these so-called pet projects that, you know, pop up, which take away your focus. How do you deal with them? I'm not sure we, we are dealing with them mm-hmm. directly. I believe what we are doing is just um, splitting the vision into two very uh, important parts. The long-term vision, mm-hmm. which is not clear. It's just like uh, we want to go global. We want to um, help the real estate as much as we can, but we need to be a global player for that. But then we go back to the next step. And the next step is generally one, one and a half years uh, from now. Uh, and it, that's very clear. And in our case, it's, it's a financial uh, objective mm-hmm. to reach a certain uh, revenue. And yeah. everything that connects to that is, is something that we need to do. If, if it doesn't connect at all with that, Mm, but we didn't have this, you know. I, I didn't. Uh, I don't know any ideas that uh, um, came from the team, uh, which were totally um, parallel with our objective. So I. Okay. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think everyone is pretty um, um, clear on why they want to do something, and that's connected to the next step. <laughs> so when we speak about, you know, the next step which you said is very clear. Uh, so you're going to reach a financial goal um, in terms of revenue, but how are you going to do that? What do you need for that? For us, it's um, a lot connected to uh, direct sales. Okay. Are you stepping into new markets? Yeah. Which are they? Okay. Um, so we are now in Romania and in the UK, and the the focus for the next year is to grow as much as we can in the UK, but okay. also experiment with other areas. Okay. In Europe and outside Europe, but ex- like ex- experiment. If we, the idea is that if we see a market with a very uh, interesting potential, and that might not be the biggest market, that might be the market that we can um, address uh, the fastest or where they have more innovators or early adopters. Mm -hmm. So we are very open to getting into new markets, but we are now just experimenting with different uh, countries and cities. 
how do you, because direct sales is, you know, the most important factor for that. Do you hire sales locally? How do you manage the business development on the new markets? What would be your best tip here? Uh, we just started doing that and we have uh, also um, colleagues in different markets, but also companies, um, lead openers. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. I think you, you should test a lot. We are in that phase, so I, I don't have a, an answer. Maybe in, in one year I could have a, a better answer. Mm -hmm. Right now we're testing with a lot of strategies. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we researched and we chose those those strategies that um, show uh, shown a lot of uh, success in other for other companies. But we don't know what will work better okay. for us. Okay. And, and lead openers, do you hire them already from the beginning or do you test it's, them in a way? Or how? No, it, it, there are companies okay. that okay. are doing companies. that. Okay. Yeah. They're okay. cool. um, creating meetings for you. Yes. They're just uh, scouting the market based on your okay. yeah okay. based okay. on your um, ideal persona, mm -hmm. uh, work on the... Um, sales materials specifically specifically for that market mm -hmm. and they're creating new uh, new meetings some of them it depends on the on their uh, way of doing business some of them actually help you close some of them just they stop at when they um, set up the meetings it depends of course of course um what i was also wondering is now that we are all working from home and we're remotely um how do you do business in commercial real estate? Is it how is the pandemic actually affecting the dynamics of this uh, industry? Isn't it super difficult? Who is thinking about commercial estate at this point? Other than <laughs> our offices are empty and we need to, <laughs> yeah, we need to find money to pay the rent or maybe even give it up. You know that uh, media. Um, sometimes looks at a certain challenge and they only emphasize the, um, let's say, um, the extremes, extremes, yeah. the extremes yeah, like course, the yeah. best mm -hmm. part and the worst part, even if that means only 5% of what is really happening. Mm -hmm. The truth is that commercial real estate, real estate itself is the biggest asset class in the world. And office, until recently, was the golden child of real estate. So the, everyone who was someone in real estate needed to invest in office. Okay. Um, more than residential, way more than industrial or um, even uh, hospitality. So um, to imagine that of the offices will be dead as we saw a lot of titles um, is just pure madness. They will definitely not be dead um, while of course changing a lot in the next years. Nobody knows exactly where this will go, but the buildings will still be there and they will have a destination. What that will mean for, for companies, we we don't know exactly right now. We do know that leases are, um, lease terms are shorter from an average of, I don't know, seven to 10 years. We are now to three, five years, even with break options. 
we see the flexible uh, office environment approach, we see the hybrid work, we see the hub and spoke model where you have a central hub, uh, office hub, and a lot of um, smaller offices where you have the teams uh, in different cities or parts of this uh, a bigger uh, city. The idea that is that for us or bright spaces, we need to be the product that help helps commercial real estate right now in this uncertainty, but also when things will be more uh, established in the next three to five years. That's the uh, the like the term that everyone is uh, expecting for things to be again quite clear for for the industry. Okay. So um, we're we have a very because the industry is uncertain and flexible, we also need to have a very flexible approach when it comes to product development. So our solution is like a, a base platform with a lot of features that you can mix and match for different landlord requirements. We don't want to have an off-the-shelf product that you just get it off the shelf and you're trying to push with a sales, no, normal sales process. Uh -huh. We are more in the um, educational and consultative sales process where okay. um, we try to understand very clear where the pain point is for a certain landlord and then just see if we have the, the features to help him. If we don't, we are getting the ideas into a backlog of ideas and it, when we reach a, a critical number of answers for a certain idea of positive answers we mm -hmm. then start building that feature okay you mentioned that you're focusing on the whole um field of commercial real estate and from what i hear this is not just offices i mean you have also different types of industries is offices like also the you said it like the golden child this is the most lucrative uh niche that you can position yourself into or are there other potentials as well we started with office and okay. we are now still just um, implementing projects in the office industry but we are looking at industrial and retail even residential for the future mm -hmm. um, for each of these verticals the need is somehow different okay. uh, even if the software might seem to be the same they can use it for different stuff. Just some ideas. You can use Bright Spaces to market your property uh, for in, during the pre-leasing and leasing process, even for divestment purposes or for investment pro uh, purposes. Mm -hmm. Because for each of these uh, processes, you need to present to better showcase your property, your portfolio with all the data uh, in the same uh, place with very uh, easy to access info information and that until now that was in in pdfs and maybe basic websites and printed brochures mm -hmm. okay so, there is still a lot to digitize yeah, a lot, okay yeah. on the okay usual approaches uh i was wondering because the end goal is to become a global disruptor in this industry. I was wondering, is being based in Romania and starting the business from Romania an advantage or 
rather a disadvantage for you? Um, I believe it's both. Okay. I believe it's an. Uh, let's let's start with the, the disadvantage to to end in a, in a, <laughs> in a, in a more positive a way. Positive, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's a disadvantage because uh, it's more difficult to sell from Romania into the UK. I'm not talking about the states or or Asia, but um, it's also an advantage because we are used to um, working in uh, uncertainty. We are used to learning foreign languages very uh, fast. We are used to moving around in order to find the right, um, I don't know, um, sweet spot. <laughs> sweet spot in the product, in the market. So this, I think this makes us more agile and more hungry, if mm. I can say this than uh, Western uh, startups. They, if you only look at the, the requirements for investment, it's the same. Uh, uh, Southeastern European, Southeast European startup may ask for 1 million, but reach the same uh, uh, KPIs as a US startup uh, asking for 10 million. Okay. So it's, Obviously, different salaries and different different costs, but also the mentality is, is somehow different. Okay. Well, we see now this kind of upsurge of the global entrepreneurship, which means that uh, regardless of where you are, you can actually run a global company and you can also build a, a global organization of people who are working from anywhere or kind of, you know, remotely. Uh, still... If you are expected as a founder to move, let's say, to London, would you do that at this point? I know that you also have a family and, yeah. and a baby. How do you combine these things? Yeah. Um, if you ask me, I would say mm. I, I'm doing uh, well. If you ask my wife, probably she would want me more uh, focused on uh, on. Uh, the, um, the personal part, but mm -hmm. I think it's quite balanced right now. Okay. Uh, to answer your question, um, I think it's very important for uh, to have your family close to you. So f for me, this is, if you have, if you're, um, how to say, um, you need some very stable pillars in order to have one which is extremely uncertain as we do with the business mm. so to um, to balance this for me the family is very important and i want to have them close so if at some point i would need to to move in order to uh, grow the business uh, i would only do so if uh, i would have the family with me if if not we would uh, try to find another solution mm -hmm. but i think there are a lot of Examples, we have uh, Office R&D, for example, we have Miro, uh, uh, he built a, a global company mm -hmm. uh, from Bulgaria. Yes. And so we, there, I think it's the perfect moment to, to think globally uh, and, and do that from absolutely everyone, every, every, everywhere on, uh, on, on the globe. Yeah. It's uh, this work from home and... and uh, digital communication approach actually helps in, mm -hmm. in, in everyone is used to zoom and and teams and google True. 
Yes, no, the pandemic's kind of, you know, um, I think it's deleted some of the boundaries that we used to have in our minds that in order for us to do business, we need to go to conferences and have a um, in-person contact with uh, partners, customers, investors. Now, even employees, <laughs> potential employees, now this is all changing and we learn to do business even without it. I'm not going to say if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, it has, you know, it's too early. It's too early to say, but uh, it definitely opened new horizons for Southeast Euro European yeah. founders, and we see also an increased interest by foreign investors. Yeah. Now, um, we see, you know, as you mentioned, valuations, you know, Growing coming up. at a at a totally different level. Um, are we actually ready for this kind of fast growth, which we we would, we would be expected by? let's say investors, how do you feel like, if you have to say it about maybe the Romanian ecosystem? I think it's it's a bet, but I think it's a good bet. Mm. So um, why not as an investor, why not look at a country where people for many years were used to, to being held down by everything from yeah. the, I don't know, mentality government and now that 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 layer is is uh, uh broken and you can jump to whatever level you you wish i mean um i listened to elinka and she said mm. the uh thinking finite or infinite and i love the second part like why not think what's the highest goal that you can achieve with during this life and and try to do it not not be um, upset if you don't but just be pleased joyful by the process of trying to uh, become the best version of yourself and hmm. the company have you ever have you ever caught yourself um, in a situation where you realize that you're not thinking big enough yeah how how do you deal with that i mean it's it takes guts right it uh, takes Many times, yeah. many times during, during, generally during the pitching process, when um, I went to um, Western VCs and I had the idea that our, uh, our product and our vision is so great. And they were like, mm, you're not thinking big enough. We won't invest in you. And I was <laughs> like, whoa, if this is not big enough, then what is? And it just uh, opens new possibilities. Okay. Uh, we actually um, had a very nice, uh, we created a very nice exercise with, with the team some months ago. We were having lunch at the office and we asked everyone, um, what would be like the biggest thing that Bright Spaces could become? Take out all the limitations, financial or even technical uh, limits and what can what can bright spaces eventually become and the one of the um, the biggest ideas was that if we go if people end up colonizing other planets like mars like elon musk and uh, going to mars uh, that will be the biggest real estate market right so they will need tools like bright spaces why not, why not think, be the first mover on, on mars yeah. <laughs> i love this even if it's you know it's childish somehow and and probably uh, like a, a dream but uh, if you think that you'll probably get closer mm -hmm. than if you just put your limits here 
and you will definitely have, uh, if you have lower limits, probably the results will be lower. Well, it is, as they say, uh, you're as big as your dreams are, right? <laughs> so in this sense, I want to, uh, you know, to, to ask you now the final questions because we're running out of time and you also have to leave. And the final question is a bit philosophical and it goes exactly in this direction. What do you want to be remembered for? I know this question because I <laughs> listened to all of your <laughs> episodes and uh, uh, I, I was afraid of it. I'm, I'm still afraid of it because uh, from a mental perspective, I want to say that um, I want to lower my ego and not be remembered because being remembered means that you inflate your ego. But uh, I'm still human and I still have ego and uh, probably uh, it's a mix between um, being remembered as a person uh, who always um, tried to create more things that can last way longer than my life while enjoying and being a nice person and mm. this is very hard <laughs> very very hard it is <laughs> balancing these two is quite hard thank you bogdan for this conversation thank you, thank thank you, you for being here with us um <laughs> i wish you best of luck for this goal because i think you know balanced life is a happy life <laughs> we're trying yeah yeah in the next episode of the Recursive Podcast, we welcome the co-founder of the fintech startup AHOC, Christo Borisov. Uh, but if your f idea fundamentally wasn't that good, wasn't that strong, wasn't that validated, your strategy was not very clear, doesn't matter how you're going to execute it. It, it has a ceiling and a limit. And I think the other reason why investors are investing so much money in the market in which we are is because they are really seeing that this has a huge market potential this is the total addressable market is massive because a lot of companies and as we were joking um, the previous guests on your podcast just wanted to become a customer uh, <laughs> and said yeah sure go ahead um, because everybody has the problem everybody understands the problem it, and i think that's the ingenuity about innovation that you can get it to be so simple so uh, you know, so simple that everybody can understand and everybody like, why Why wasn't this built before, right? And I think that's, as soon as you get your value proposition, your pitch uh, to that level, then everything is going to align. Uh, of course, if you if you can do the execution, at least on a basic level, but, um, you know, that there is this saying that, you know, um, extremely good um, team with a poor market is going to be good effort. Um, extremely bad team with an amazing market is success and then an amazing team in an amazing market is going to be a miracle um, so you can still succeed with uh, you know if, if you even if you have a, a mediocre team in a um, you know an amazing market is going to be a massive success and if you are just as passionate about innovation as we are hit subscribe for the recursive podcast on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform we're everywhere